Good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, our morning has been quite a morning. Um, up till right now, we've been dealing with all kinds of little crazy wildfires this morning. So uh, I know it's got to be the Lord that's going to help me because there is definitely no way I'm going to be able to do this without the Lord. <laughs> so uh, you pray for me, I'll pray for you while we're doing this. <laughs> but uh, we've got several questions that were uh, written in uh, this morning and last night. I had asked a, a lot of you guys, or uh, ask our subscribers that uh, you, you write in uh, yesterday and uh, write a couple questions of what's going on in your life. And if you have questions about things that are going on in your life, please write them in. And uh, we wouldn't expose the writer, but uh, I believe the questions could be uh, important, especially for those that are choosing not to write. Uh, or ask a question. You know, a lot of times, uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of times in this world, we're pressured to know all the answers. So, uh, or, and by the way, you, you think that you're supposed to know the answers is, is that, uh, is this voice tells you, you should know the answer or everybody knows that answer except you. I'm not going to ask that question. It's kind of stupid. It bothers me, but, uh, it's a stupid question. And, and so it just kind of, it keeps you from asking questions because uh, that voice says you should know the question. And then everybody would think that, you know, you're not that smart. And we have all this stuff. It's basically fear that keeps us from asking God questions because we're pressured by this subconscious voice that you should know the answers. And that keeps you actually uh, in a place of wondering like a vagabond. And, uh, and it's amazing how the enemy always tries to keep you from asking questions. Even in a, I don't know if you've ever been in a, uh, a classroom setting and the teacher said, does anybody have any questions? And nobody hardly raises their hand, but the person, there's always that one person that raises their hand. And then we're taught just like everybody else. We disdain them because oh God, they asked a question. Here we go. You know, and then you end up not liking the very one that's asking the question, but basically you wish you would have asked that question yourself. Well, same thing. I'd say 80% of the world has pretty much the same question and uh, we just choose not to even ask. And then when someone asks, it answers the question that you had and you basically had the same question. And, uh, it's crazy how fear keeps us all in bondage, isn't it? So we're going to start with a couple of questions here this morning because uh, I think it's important uh, that we answer some of them. Uh, I won't be able to go in uh, in like teaching mode to be able to help uh, give more understanding, but I'm going to try to give some some. Uh, big cliff notes that will open hopefully hopefully your consciousness to be able to understand what to do in your life you know mainly most of us uh should have the holy spirit that answers all questions but uh, most of us forget to ask the bible says ask and you shall receive 
And, uh, but most of the time we don't ask. Even sometimes we're subconsciously uh, searching out in our mind what the answer is, but we never open our mouth to actually ask verbally. God wants to hear your voice. And when you ask, it causes you to be humble. It causes your flesh to humble itself. And then if it causes your flesh to humble itself, it allows God then to come in. Flesh there means your, your old carnal nature that's your subconscious mind that's trying to figure it out without asking. <clears throat> and so if you verbally ask uh, out loud your, uh, the Lord Jesus uh, a question, it humbles your, the loud voice in your flesh or your carnal mind, and it allows God to be able to start speaking how, however he speaks to you in a still small voice, in a sign or a wonder or whatever. Uh, we've gone over those in the past, but uh, if you'll ask verbally, uh, it will put your carnal mind in submission to actually maybe hear an answer. And sometimes a lot of us, because we're not getting answers, we go through the list of, I'm a sinner, or I did this, or I must have opened a door somewhere. You know, it's almost like you're, it, it's your requirement to keep everything, you know, clear so that you can hear the voice of God. Well, that's a religious spirit because God can speak to you in any, any way, you in any form that you're in, doesn't matter what type of attitude that you're in, it doesn't matter what kind of ditch you're in, God can speak to you. Why? How can you prove that, Brad? Well, Jesus came in an earthly man suit. God came in an earthly man suit, made himself of no reputation, and he spoke physically, not just with his voice, but he physically stood there and spoke to people that were in the ditch. He physically spoke to people that uh, were having mental problems, that were having oppression, that were having yokes that were put on them that were, they couldn't, or burdens that they couldn't carry, yokes that were too tight, uh, people that were uh, demonized. Uh, even, he even came to a legion, you know? And I mean, you, you, you can see where God can come in any way he wants to. He will speak to you. But if you're believing that God will not speak to you because then you're in a religious spirit. Most of the people that God spoke to were sinners. The people that he didn't speak to many uh, were the believers. In other words, believers there means the know-it-alls, those that feel like they should have, they, they know it all or should know it all, he couldn't speak to because they were puffed up. They were prideful. And so, when you allow yourself to see that God can actually speak to you, it doesn't matter what state you're in. When you look at, um, you look at um, David's life, if there was anybody that God shouldn't have talked to would be David. And of course that, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but David, uh, you look at David's life, oh my goodness, it was a mess. But, but David knew, David knew God would speak to him in any state that he was in. That's the key. Freedom. Freedom to know that God can speak to you in any manner that you're in. That is freeing in itself. It's probably freeing some of you that are actually listening. 
because you have been subconsciously trained by this world that God will not speak to you unless. And that is so demonic. It sounds so wise, but yet so, so demonic. So what we're going to, we're going to go over some of these, uh, uh, little questions here, and we're going to try to answer them through the Holy ghost. And I will tell you that most of the questions that we answer are specifically for these people. But if those that are watching, you may get an answer yourself. Like I said, most of us have the same crazy questions that we never ask. Okay. And so I want you to just allow, sit there. And if you have to say, deliver me Lord from, you know, this subconscious, this subconscious voice that says, I can't hear your voice first. And then just open your heart to hear God, to answer questions that you may have even had while God is answering these questions. Now, I will tell you that the questions that I will probably answer are for that particular person, but they're also, when the Holy Spirit starts to speak, you will hear an answer for yourself. Even while we've been sitting here, you know, about this whole thing, you can't hear God. Some of you are getting, your minds are getting free. Even now, uh, that religious spirit that has kept you from hearing the voice of God because it gives you certain hurdles that you've got to jump to get there, that's even being broken down as we speak. Because as we started this thing, the Holy Spirit started speaking to a lot of you guys uh, to free you out of that religious spirit that says you can't hear God. And if you've got a list of why you can't hear God and it sounds so right, it's so wrong. So here we go. Are you ready? There's one particular person, let me pull this up, uh, that wrote in this morning. All right, here we go. This person writes in. Let's listen to their hearts, okay? Uh, of course, they said, you know, thank you for uh, the God stories. And it says, thank you uh, for the God stories. They're in such an inspiration and blessing for us. Here is my question for tomorrow, if you can answer. I'm trying to love people like the Lord Jesus. That's the first problem. Don't try to love people like the Lord Jesus because then you're comparing yourself. All right, you get that one. Just love, just open up your heart to love people, period. When you're trying to love people like the Lord Jesus, you're still measuring yourself. So just keep your eyes on the Lord at times, be with him and then love people, all right? That's the first one, but here's the, here's the most important one. I'm, I'm trying to love people like the Lord Jesus unconditionally, without any hooks, give them love that they don't deserve, that they don't deserve and don't expect, and it's awesome, okay? They're actually going, this stuff's actually working in their life, but it sounds like they're still comparing stuff, right? And that's okay. That's part of our growing out of what God has put us in, uh, of, of, of what we've been in. God is, we, we learn how to love. We grow in love. So as we grow in the love of Jesus, 
that well, there are still times that we actually measure things of how we love people. Am I measuring them? Am I loving them enough? Uh, this person doesn't really, uh, you know, deserve love, so I'm going to give it to them. We're still measuring stuff, you know, uh, measuring that them, and then we've got to give them love. But at least we're starting, and this is the good thing about this person. They're at least starting, <clears throat> and they're starting to experience it. Now watch this. Here goes the question. Here, here goes his next question. <clears throat> but when I do love my 15-year-old daughter like this, without any expectations or judgment, she no longer behaves, doesn't do her homework, or helping us at home. I tried to not tell her. I tried to not tell to I try not to tell her just do by myself just do by myself things that she doesn't do like clean after her and etc but then i realized i don't do her a favor by not teaching her to do her share or behave but in order to correct her i have to tell her to do things or even to discipline her by taking her phone away from her, etc., and it doesn't feel like I love her without expectations. What should I do? <laughs> That's a big one, isn't it? Well, I pulled up a, a scripture here for this person uh, as far as you're uh, raising up your children, helping your child. It says, raise up a child in the way that they should go, not the way that I should think they should go the way that the Lord is actually purposing in their life, right? And, uh, but as you're raising up a child, you must speak the truth in love. And love doesn't mean that you don't correct. You can still love without expectations, but correct them in the things that they need to be doing. All right? I do this quite a bit. There's times where I have to correct someone and it's a strong correction, but I don't have to get angry. I still love them, but they're going to do exactly what I tell them to do. And, but, and I need to show them that if they don't do it, there are uh, percussions uh, of some of the things that they don't do. Because if whatever a man sows, he shall reap. So a lot of times in raising your children, when you're disciplining them, it's not a bad thing. You're trying to show them the things that they are reaping because of their wrongdoing. All right. Now, watch this to this person that asked this question. If you'll write this down or keep it in your repertoire of your mind, it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, we're going to dissect this. Love is patient and is kind. Love is patient and is kind. In other words, your child is going to be sometimes not behave and you have to be patient and still kind, but hold the, the standard of the way that they're supposed to live, lest they be a rebellious child. It says in the Bible that anyone that, that uh, withholds the, the rod hates his child. In other words, it's not just necessarily the rod 
or spanking your child, or it's about disciplining your child. When you don't discipline your child, you actually sow hate into them. You got to listen to that. That's why a lot of these children that do not have discipline from their from and parents that don't hold the standard, you'll find the child hating the parent or rebelling. It's because the the parent is withholding discipline for their child because a child can't discipline themselves when they're growing up. A parent has to show them that. They can't just automatically just know to discipline themselves. They, this is all new to them. And when your child, it's new to them and you're not disciplining your child, the child ends up being rebellious is because you're withholding the rod. You're, uh, you're withholding discipline for their life, which actually brings hate into their hearts, all right? So when you, when you don't withhold the discipline, it brings honor and love because the child is actually knowing that its spirit is actually knowing that you're loving them. Now they may not like it at, at the, at, at when you do that, but when they don't like it and you're disciplining your, your child, they're manifesting the rebellion that is coming out of them that you're delivering them from by disciplining your children. Okay. So when they're manifesting on you, you are like the Lord getting close to them and disciplining their life and what is, has been in their heart from the day they were born, because they were born in this sinful world. When you discipline their life, when they start manifesting, it shows you that you are actually doing it the right way. But the enemy of this world would try to make you think that you're doing it the wrong way. You're, you're not being loving. But being loving is not letting the enemy have his way in our children. When you're, when you're loving, you can still discipline your children. That is still love without expectations. All right. You can still be, you can still have patience. You can still be kind while you're disciplining your child. Anger never changes your child. It, it makes them more angry. All right. Or it makes them fearful and they, they fold in. What really scares a child or what scares a teenager is when you discipline them and you are not angry and you're going to hold the standard no matter what, that freaks a kid out because they're used to seeing people getting mad to get them corrective. And when you don't get mad and they do and you still hold the standard, that freaks the mind a little bit out because the mind is so used to manifesting and then it manifests back and it stays in bondage. But when your child manifests rebellion, you're still patient and kind and still holding the standard. The mind of the child doesn't know what to do. And it starts realizing, wait a minute, they're not retaliating. They're holding the standard because I see that they love me. And eventually this child begins to transform into the likeness that it's beholding. Okay, that's love. God is the same way with all of us, whether we like it or not. He loves you, but he's going to correct you. He chastised, the Bible says, the ones he loves. Are we doing the same thing with our own children? In other words, he's loving you with no expectations, 
but he's going to let you see the truth and he's going to discipline you in the areas of truth because we are like little children that have gone astray by the spirit of this world. And he understands it's not just you that's doing it, it's the way you've been trained by this world. We're all children of God. Doesn't matter how old you are, we have room to learn. God is eternal God. Can you imagine how old he is compared to us? All right. So love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Isn't that amazing? In a child sometimes demand its own way. Love normally submits to God. In other words, submits to God's ways. Right? But love, that which is not love, always wants to have its way. Well, you're just not doing it the way I want to. Well, too bad. I want to do this, Dad. I want to do this, Mom. Why aren't you letting me do this? Well, it's because that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Here's the way you're supposed to do it. And if you're calm about it and you're still loving them because you're seeing past their manifestation and you're going to hold the standard, they may manifest on you all day long, but you're going to hold the standard. You can discipline a child without getting upset. I promise you. You can. You just can't let the rebellious stuff that's on the child hit your rebellious stuff and make you manifest. And then you do the truth out of love. In other words, out of the spirit of love. You end up doing it in the spirit of anger or frustration or anxiety. Get back in the spirit of love and still correct them. That's true love. Uh, Watch this. This is the next one. It is love is not irritable. It keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So to answer your question, uh, you can still love your child by speaking the truth and holding the standard of truth. Because holding the standard of truth is loving people. You know, I don't do, I don't walk this thing out. God has not made me a leader just to let people do what they want to. But I know people will do what they want to. But there are some out there that if I continue to hold the standard, doesn't matter how much they persecute me, it doesn't matter what they say. It, I've got to endure every circumstance. I've got to endure their manifestations, but I still am going to hold the standard with truth and love. And it's up to them to allow them to hear the Holy Spirit and for them to actually start following the truth. Because they're going to answer to God, not me. Now, those that are under me, if I hold the standard of truth and I discipline those that are under me in the place of love and those that actually walk out those, those things of truth, those are the ones that have actually chosen to walk in the truth. There are those that I've had under, under me in, in my authority that have chosen not to walk in the truth. And there are times where I've had to speak to them and say, listen, 
We've gone over this over and over. I'm going to have to let you go so that you can really know and learn the truth another way because you're not learning it this way. Now, those are grown people, and we're still a lot of grown people, still a lot of children. And a lot of them have gone out, and they have fallen on their faces, and it's broken my heart, and I see them having trouble. And man, there's times where I want to call them and you know have pity on them, and the Lord say, no, you gave them to me now. What is going on is working for them. They'll be back. You keep walking in truth. You talk about tough to watch. And then sometimes five years later, sometimes four months later, I'm literally sometimes five to six years later, I have to watch it and endure that and still love them. And then when they come back after speaking about me, you know, saying all types of bad things about me, which they're truly just, you know, sowing badness for their own life. They're reaping it all over and over. I endure it. And then finally they come and say, hey, I apologize. I really messed up. I said this about, and I'll just say, I know it's okay. Are you ready to get back to walking in the truth? Yes, I'm ready. I've had enough. Okay, let's go. There it is. Keeps no records of wrongs. Now that, that right there had to work in me first. So God was that strong with me in these areas. He showed me that he didn't keep my records of wrongs, but yet he still held the truth. He even endured me all the times that I was rebellious toward him, but he was strong with me. You can be that way even with your child. That is still loving that is still loving with no expectations. The only expectation that we should have is God moving upon that child. And he will, I assure you. Okay, I hope that helps. Here's the next one. We'll leave this one for the last. This person's uh, written in uh, a couple of times and uh, I, Tried, I've tried to help this person about not focusing on their, their situation, but focusing on the Lord. But I, I've got to, you got to understand sickness. A lot of times sickness, uh, the enemy can use that thing to really get us focused on ourselves instead of the Lord. It's kind of like Job. The problem that Job had was not his sickness. The problem that Job had is he focused on himself. The answer was God. Think about that. Satan struck him with sickness and God allowed it. Because Job had major favor, Satan was jealous of him. And God says, well, have you considered him? Well, let's, you can do everything you can, but just don't kill him. Which totally sounds, you know, uh, not right, but here's the thing about God. God can do anything he wants to. God will never be like us. His mind will never be like us. Now, Jesus, God became like us in the flesh, but his mind was never like us. He overcame every obstacle by walking in the spirit. Even overcame the cross. Think about that. 
He still trusted his father, even during the cross, while the enemy was pulling his body apart, throwing sickness on him. He still focused on his father's will. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I mean, it was amazing how all that stuff happened. And then the fullness of the, of, of the world's sin came upon him, which caused him to think about himself for just a moment. Because he, he, he does this. He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? It's because sin had gotten in upon him. He had, sin attached itself now to Jesus, and it made him, his mind, separated from the awareness of God. And so when he said that, that was the mark that he had taken on all sin. God didn't leave. It, he took on all sin, which separated the consciousness, being aware that God was with him. But then when, after he said that, he goes right back in just raw faith. Doesn't matter what he's thinking. Doesn't matter what sin is saying to him. Oh, God's left you. The Holy Ghost is gone. All that stuff that man tries to say. He still just said, looked up, put his mind on, on the Lord, even while his mind was, you know, wanting to focus on himself. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Even in his worst state, and the worst state is focusing on yourself, which separates your consciousness of the awareness of God. And even in his worst state, he turned it and he put his mind back on God. He's just going to trust God. In thy hands I commit to my spirit. In other words, if you, if you want me to die, I, I'll put my life into your hands. Now that is total trust. That's where we're going. And this person is writing in because they're, they're having some more illness. They're having some more problems in their life. And, and, uh, and let's hear what they have to say after we've talked about this, okay? After we talked about this whole thing about focusing on yourself or even how the Lord even endured it. It says, I'm dealing with a very painful TMJ. Now everybody knows TMJ where you have this lock jaw. And the dentist or specialist want to make splints to wear at night and day if possible. They are saying my jaw may be locked and require surgery. Now I want you to just uh, and I'm not doing this to make you dissect everything, but I, I'm trying to help these people and help us as well as we're reading this. Notice that she's telling us what they are saying. They are saying this. Most of the time when doctors, you know, come in, they will give you the worst diagnosis because one lawsuits uh they've got to give you the worst scenario now the reasons for that is because they have to because they've got you they got to give you the extent of what could happen or what will happen okay they're not trying to curse your life most people get mad at doctors because they're oh they're cursing my life you know I, i'm not accepting that well they don't we don't ever Take the time to understand what doctors are actually doing and the way they've been trained. If we can understand the way that they've been trained, we won't necessarily curse the doctors again. The doctors come in and have to give you a real extreme scenario. But 
out of ignorance, they don't realize that that negativity has power, but we must understand the, where they're coming from in order to have true compassion. All right. And if you understand that fear doesn't get in your heart and then you don't start rebuking out of fear. All right, here we go. They are say they say, they are saying my jaw may be locked and require surgery. I pray that this will not be the case. Good going, good going. I go later today for 3D X-rays to start the whole process. I am believing God for my miracle through it through it all. Could you please pray for me? We're doing that. People close close by uh, believe this that God's allowing sickness for a purpose or a reason. Yeah, a part of that is somewhat true because well, when they have infirmities and sickness and the diseases and stuff start attacking you, that means you are like the Lord. That means you are not on the wrong path. That means the enemy's attacking you. Paul had it all the time. And we'll, we'll write that, we'll, we'll uh, reference this in scripture here in just a minute. Because you got we got to remember guys out there, if we are really truly uh, soldiers of the faith, uh, Timothy talks about being soldiers, then that means we're in a war. So if you're in a war, you're going to get friendly fire sometimes and you're going to get enemy fire sometimes. All right. You're going to have friendly fire. You're going to have enemy, but you've got God to help you to overcome all things. It means all things. It means sometimes you will get hit by friendly fire. Sometimes you will get hit by enemy fire, but you have God within you to overcome all things. That doesn't just mean overcome. You got to get better. Your body has to get better in order to be, you know, an overcomer. No, listen, you can be twisted up in your bones and still be free. What we have called freedom is not freedom at all. I've seen people that are much more freer than I, I that were mangled up and the Lord say they're more freer than you are. If you look closer uh, they, they're actually seeing more things than you are and they could care less about their twisted up body. And I go, oh my gosh. And he shows me and they're actually interacting with angels and I'm out here questioning why, you know, man, they're all, they're mangled. There's something wrong with them. Just because something's not, doesn't line up with the way that we think doesn't mean that something's wrong with it. We've got to hear it from God. Not the way the world teaches us. We've got to look at things the way God sees things, not the way we have been taught to see things. Now you got to understand most people's revelation that have been taught, they have gotten the revelation for themselves, but then they try to teach it as a universal truth can't do that. Jesus is the only universal truth. All right. We got to remember that there are certain things that you get revelation for. Doesn't mean that it's going to be for somebody else. 
all right? And you can't teach that as, as the whole truth, lest you end up making people stumble. Watch this. Okay, she's going to get her x-rays. I believe in God for my miracle. Could you please pray for me? People close to my family believe this, this uh, that God is allowing sickness for a reason. I truly don't believe sickness is ever from God for any reason as Jesus healing everyone that came to him. <laughs> yeah, he, he did heal those that came to him. He did heal those that came to him. Uh, <clears throat> and there were people that came to him that he didn't heal that the Bible doesn't talk about. There are many times he passed by the man called uh, gate called beautiful and the man was begging and he didn't heal him. Well, who healed him was a, a people, Peter, James, and John later on. So there are times and seasons sometimes for God healing people. Don't ask me why, because I believe there <laughs> with me, I've been sick several times with with uh, uncurable cancer, cancer in my uh, back and all kinds of stuff. After God healed me, I realized I learned a lot of stuff through the sickness about God and then God healed me. And then it, the healing just confirmed everything he taught me. But that was a rough time. <clears throat> I had to actually dig down in my own faith with the Holy Spirit and focus more on what the Lord was saying instead of what my mind was trying to figure out. Okay? Now it says there, I truly don't believe sickness is ever from God for any reason. That's Jesus healing everyone that came to him. And he only did what he, his father told him. So this leads me to believe he wants me well. Yes, he does want us all well. Can you just share your thoughts on this, Brad? Appreciate your prayers. I believe God, hey Jake, I believe God uh, spoke to me as I have been focusing on him more. And he said, let me, and then he says this, let me believe for you. If someone's written in, it's too late. Uh, you're supposed to write in last night. <laughs> I'm kidding. But we got to, let's, let's focus on this real for, for a moment. I've got to answer these questions that the ones that were, uh, that, uh, wrote in uh, from yesterday. I wish I understood more. He says, uh, oh, let's read this again. Appreciate your prayers. I believe God spoke to me as I've been focusing on him more, more. And he said, let me believe for you. It brought peace to my heart. I wish I understood more than he meant by that, by I just keep repeating it to my heart, but I keep repeating it to my heart. The reason Jesus and God said to you while you're in your sickness, while you're going through this, he says, let me believe for you is, is really an invitation to actually understand what he's doing during your process. He's basically saying to you, listen to me in your mind while you walk this out. Listen to me in your mind while you walk this out. I believe, uh, I remember when I uh, got cancer in my back and uh, it was in stage three or four and, uh, and it was bad. 
And uh, first, the first thing was I got to figure out what did I let in? Uh, what did I, how did I sin? You know, and or who did sin? And I went back to all my, you know, who is there anybody in my family? And, and all of that brought more, even more torment. It sounds so wise to do, but it's so insane. Uh, and the Lord said, would you please stop trying to figure it out? It's only making you worse. And of course, my mind started figuring out, trying to figure out, oh Lord, what did I do? And, you know, and the Lord just said, just stop. Just listen to me. If I'm not speaking, just walk through it. And just trust me as my son did. Don't think of yourself. Just put your mind on me. My goodness, I can't believe. I can't, I can't even tell you how much freedom that brought me within. Because at that point, it didn't matter if I died or lived. I knew I had Jesus with me. And I was about to learn the fellowship of his suffering. You can't learn the fellowship of God's suffering unless you suffer. But while you're suffering, you start focusing on the Lord and start asking him, hey, what are you saying during this time? And he may speak to you something completely different than what you think he should be speaking about you, to you about your sickness. But as he's speaking to you, you're getting free. Are you with me? The worst sickness we have right now is trying to figure everything out. Because we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we're supposed to be, faith is listening to him. Because you can't have faith until you hear God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That doesn't just mean your Bible, even though that's part of how you're supposed to hear God, but it's also putting your consciousness on the Lord and hearing him. And when you start hearing him in your consciousness, transformation starts to change. There's major transformation in, inside of you, and then there's transformation and even sometimes in your body. Because wherever your head goes, your body's gonna go. Don't forget that. Wherever your head goes, your body goes. <laughs> when I think about walking out my front door, my body has to go do it. Isn't that the strangest thing? That's why he wants to speak to you. Let him speak to you. Let him believe for you. In other words, listen to him as you're walking through this. Don't let the, the spirit of this world start getting you tangled up in all the questions. Yeah, but this and yeah, but that. You, you, people that have major sicknesses all the time are very special to the Lord. But the people that are sick, all uh, that have uh, attacks and and hits all the time, their, their consciousness gets hit to where something's wrong with them. And when they start thinking something's wrong with them, they get more mangled and twisted in their minds and they can't get out of their sickness. They can't get out in touch with God because they believed a lie. That's just the small part of what we're talking about here. So God's trying to speak to this woman saying, let me believe for you. In other words, let my mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. 
Let me speak. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. All right? Because right now, this person's thoughts are probably his, not, his thoughts. That's what Bible Isaiah says. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are not your ways. But that's not saying like he's pompous. That was an invitation. An invitation. He wants your ways to be like his. So he invites you into his ways. He invites you into his thought. But we have to put down all the thoughts that are against the thoughts of Christ. And that's by being disciplined to listen to the Lord. Amen? All right. Here's a couple of scriptures for you. First, we need to always remember, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to be per persecuted by the enemy. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to be persecuted by the enemy. And the Bible says this, we war not against flesh and blood, but we war against principalities and powers, rules of darkness. All right? In other words, you're going to get in a fight. Just, that's all you got to remember. There's going to be a fight. But if we put on the armor of God, we win. In other words, if we start listening to the Lord, our minds is saved. We put on the helmet of salvation. We start listening to the Lord, that the helmet of the Holy Spirit, the helmet of salvation, it's the Spirit of God saves our mind from the arrows that are sent to it, okay? But we've got to understand that if we're going to walk with God, we're going to be persecuted by the enemy of this world. Whether it be through people or through just the realm of the spirit, it's going to happen. But we've got to understand we're not, it's not about what they're where it's coming from and who's doing it. We should start now glorifying the Lord because, wow, I'm in the war. This proves I'm in the fight. Thank you, Lord, for actually choosing me as a soldier. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And the, fight, the good fight of faith is I'm going to start listening to the Lord. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And our wrestle is to believe more in the Lord. That's how we wrestle with the enemy. In other words, my wrestle is to get close to the Lord and not allow the enemy to wrestle me into his, into his uh, domain. In other words, thinking the way that he thinks. And, and in a wrestle, not to think of negative things while you're sick, and in a wrestle against thoughts that come to you that are not of God while you're sick, and in a wrestle, the wrestle is you've got to start is believing in, in the Lord. The wrestle is during that time where I want to figure it out and ask and, and why am I doing this and why am I getting well this? That's a wrestle with the enemy. And you've got to wrestle with that thing to get with the, with the Lord. It's a wrestle to say, Lord, what are you doing while you're sick? That's a wrestle in your mind. And then the Lord speak to you something completely opposite of what you're expecting. Man, then you know you're wrestling against the enemy because then your mind starts manifesting like, why did he say that? That can't be the Lord. He should be answering my questions, you know? 
but he's not like us. I could be having a major sickness going on in my life, and I say, Lord, what are you doing? And he goes, I want you to go meet John on 5th Street. And man, my mind will go, you're not telling me what's wrong with me. That's a wrestle. But if I will listen and then I go, and I agree, okay, I'm going to go to... Look, I'm going to go look for 5th Street and I'm going to go find John. Now, my, the spirit of this world is wrestling with my mind, my carnal mind. But I'm going to see John. And as I'm walking out what he's telling me, guess what? I start getting free. And I start winning the war against the enemy. You get it? All right. Acts 14, verse 22. Wow, it's already 9.53. We must, we got to remember this, Acts 14, verse 22. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So if you've got a tribulation, there is a hidden door to enter the kingdom of God. But look for the kingdom of God, not the tribulation. The tribulation is there to get you into the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? The tribulations, we enter in the kingdom of God through much tri many tribulations. All right? So you've got a tribulation going on in your life. Isn't it crazy? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So tribulations are doorways to enter you into peace, joy, and righteousness. Now that does not make sense because we believed the way men or the way the world has taught us. Not the way God wants to teach us. Jesus entered in to righteousness, peace, and joy in the fullness of the Holy Ghost through the cross. And he would do that daily in his life because he had many tribulations. And you see righteousness, peace, and joy manifesting constantly because he was having tribulations every day. And so tribulations will enter into, into major miracles with you and the Lord. All right. John 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In me. In other words, if you get in me, if you get into his mind, allow him to start thinking with you. Allow him to start believing for you. In other words, listening to his voice, it says, in, in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's an invitation. In other words, I had it too. And I overcame it. Now, as you're, as you're walking the tribulation out, I will give you the path, the same path that I walked on that allows you to overcome the world as I did. I will show you a secret path during your tribulation because I found it for you. You got to first get focused on him. Then you get to end up walking that path. And then you find it. There are secret paths in the midst of your tribulations. It's beautiful. Next one for this person. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And, less, and this is Paul. Watch this. Unless I should, he's talking to the Corinthian church, but I, I want to point this out. Unless I should be exalted above measure by abundance of the, of the revelations, 
a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. God gave him this to buffet him. All right. Lest I be exalted above measure. Above measure. Watch this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, the, the wonderful revelation of this is that Paul knows God has allowed it to come in his life to buffet him because every time it comes in his life, it's the same thing. And it's and it just irritates him because he has to overcome it. And he knows God has allowed this thing to, to come into his life. He knows, he's, in other words, he's trusting still God, but he's still going to complain with God. Watch this. It says, and he said to me, my grace, and this is what he said, the Lord said, because he pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from him. And he said to me, just as God, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, can you imagine how much grace that was in Paul's life if he was having something from Satan come to him? Now, all this stuff that comes in our life only shows how much grace that you carry for not only for yourself, but you carry it for others as well. Because you will find those that are in your same boat may have a same type of uh, a, a different sickness. But man, the grace of God will come upon you, that overwhelming grace to touch that person at that point in time. Because Paul touched many people, including me and you. It's still he's still touching us. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when you're weak, that's when God is wanting to allow you to grow in his strength. But you can't grow in his strength unless you start focusing on the Lord during that time. Most of us, focus on our weakness or our suffering. When we're weak is when God wants to be strong. So he says, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So as he battles this thing, he's having to overcome it. That's God teaching him his strength and he's making his strength perfect by allowing Paul to learn how to overcome this thing in his life, overcome his mind that come that this thing that comes in his life, he overcomes his mind through the spirit. And so he overcomes it over and over. Now everybody else may say, well, it's because you got this problem and Paul's got this pride and you've got this and you've got that. But Paul has a different thing. He sees it differently. So should we, we should see it differently. Therefore, therefore, he says, most gladly, watch this, he changes. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. He didn't say complain. In other words, I'm going to boast in what I've learned while being with the Lord when I was sick. Let me show you what he showed me. I'm going to boast in my infirmities. Because that's where I learned the suffer, the fellowship of his suffering, which you guys don't have. But I'm going to show you the secret stuff. I'm going to boast 
in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, when you start boasting in the Lord while you have an infirmity, the power of God really starts coming on you. It's crazy. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. See, this guy's crazy. In this Western world, oh, we're taught all kinds of formulas. He's saying, I, I'm going to rejoice in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, I'm, in needs. He's going to rejoice. I'm going to take pleasure. I'm going to take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. In other words, so that I can learn Christ. I'm not going to, in other words, I'm not going to focus on myself. I'm not going to take pleasure in myself during infirmities, reproaches and needs and persecution and distresses. I'm going to take pleasure in Christ for Christ's sake in my infirmities, my reproaches, my needs and persecutions. And he says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's the first thing I would tell this person is, man, it's great to have a miracle. And I'd say, Lord, bring the miracle on. But first, I want to know what you're doing in the midst of this. Because you don't want to miss the secret place. You don't want to miss, it doesn't matter what you have, you don't want to miss God in your suffering. Because that's when you get the secret stuff. So I pray for a miracle for your jaw, but I pray that you hear the Lord during this time, for that is the greatest miracle, is to actually hear the Lord in your infirmities. It's amazing. And then your jaw could start popping back to its form, true formation. In other words, it starts forming with the mind of Christ. It starts forming with God instead of self. So I just pray for you for that miracle, for the miracle to hear the Lord again, even in your infirmities, that you would never listen to the voice of the enemy that gets you focused on yourself, but you would listen to the voice of God, which focuses you on God. So that your mouth will be a conduit to open up, to speak the mysteries of the Lord. And you no longer hinder you. The enemy would no longer hinder you. All right, I'll do this last one. We have one that was uh, on women in the church, which is a good one. And I may share this one next week because this person had a great question this morning. But uh, I'll try to answer this one real quick. This We may go a little bit long, but uh, you can always go back and, and you know and watch these. It says and this is a question after after I have been seeing repeating numbers for months, usually 11, 11, 555, 12, 12, and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there uh, after and it says after a powerful ministry time, we stopped uh, for dinner. My receipt was 888 with it repeated below with with it repeated below that after uh uh, school of Life, I learned they changed the policy, uh, possibly ending my work from home. 
I've thought about selling my home for a few years doing a, pro doing a project now, and again, wondering if it's time. I even applied for a job with uh, DMA in Tabor City, and the owner called me indicating interest and had the hiring and and have the hiring manager to contact manager to contact me, but he hasn't followed up. So, how do you know to press in and step out to be ready when things move? You don't. <laughs> even how many of you guys even tried to get prepared? and it didn't work out the way that you thought. It's always smart to, to get prepared, but I guarantee you, you better be open for change. In other words, a lot of times we think we know where we're going, but you don't, you really don't. Because man makes his plans, but God orders his ways. In other words, that's not like, oh, well then God's in control. Well, no, that's not what it's trying to say. It's basically saying, Get open for change because God's going to change it. It's not going to turn out the way that you think it's going to be turned out. You know, that's going to turn out. Let's keep reading. How do you press in? Uh, don't press in. That only frustrates you. All right. When dreams are, when dreams are com confirmation or just a continuation of the mind thinking through things, I've played things out in my mind before thinking this, and that could happen, but that, that, that could happen, but it doesn't, but it doesn't, and I'm having trouble knowing, believing for the things. See, that's what we just talked about. You can see that she's kind of, man, I've tried to think this out. I've tried to figure out the drain. See, that, that's that whole trying to figure it out. Enjoy life where you're at. That's hard to do, isn't it, guys? Isn't it hard to enjoy just... Life with God. Something's always pushing us to no, no, no. But I got, but I need to, and I, that's torment. Sounds really wise. Hey, but if Jesus walked by faith and not by sight, then uh, why aren't we trying to walk by sight? In other words, trying to understand everything. Even Jesus said he couldn't do nothing unless what he sees the Father doing, he does and he only did just what he did. He didn't try to assume what was gonna happen next and then plan on it. He just did exactly what he told him to do. Isn't that the craziest thing? That's scary, but that's the mind of the Lord because all things can become new then. It'll be a surprise. But see, when I say that, a lot of the fear rises up in our minds to try to, no, don't believe that. In other words, it started, yeah, but yeah, but this and yeah, but that. That's fear going, oh my God, don't believe like that. Don't believe like the spirit. Please don't. I don't want to fall. <laughs> it says, if, that, if this makes sense and you can find a question in this example, it'd be great. Okay, it's great. All the numbers for this person, I'm going to tell you, you know, we've, we've gotten a, everybody, we've heard, we, a lot of people taught on numbers and, and you know, colors and all that. But, and then we have this subconscious library in our minds, 1111, double blessing, 555, you know, triple grace and, you know, Isaiah 55 and, you know, 1212, there's 12 gates and there's 12 cities, but, you know, all, there's 12 disciples, all this stuff. And you, none of it makes sense because there are all kinds of different belief systems that somebody got for themselves that put it on us. 
Here's what I want to tell you. Numbers means, if the numbers fall in your life like this, first foundational thing. First, God's trying to say, I'm right here. I'm right here. The reason he's saying I'm right here is probably because your mind is trying to figure out everything. And so he throws all these signs and wonders, comes in, in, a, in a form of humility. and comes in the form of numbers and basically just trying to get your attention. Hey, uh, I'm right here. There is transition, but uh, I'm the transition. I need you to transition back to me instead of worrying about all the things that need to be done and worrying about the transition that's coming. Uh, I'm your transition. Let's get back into seeing that I'm here with you. And if you can be with me and see that I'm here with you and everything comes into rest and then we can move together the way I want to move. That's the key for this person. Now I could teach all kinds of stuff here. As far as 1111, 555, 1212, 888, new beginnings and all kinds of stuff. But what is he really saying? What's the foundation? If I taught all these different stuff, it'd bring more confusion. He's just trying to first say, I'm here. Your mind is on so much stuff I'm your transition. I'm going to transition from you thinking of all these things back to me. Then peace will reside in your life. And the peace that surpasses your understanding will now start controlling you. And then you won't worry. Because if you worry about tomorrow, it'll get you in a bind. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has takes care of itself. Tomorrow has its own troubles. Put your mind back on me. If God wants to move you, he will move you. When it changes, you just flow with it. You go with it. That's it. But if God's not doing anything right now, that means he's just wanting you to be with him. Because if you can be with him, then you can, once the transition comes, the transition will be easy. Things will just drop in place. This makes sense. Here's the last one. How do you keep loving someone when they continue to sin against you with no repentance? Uh, because we're not called to change people. You're thinking that they should change because you're loving them. That doesn't mean that they need more. They basically. Uh, Paul talks about those with, that are with sin needs more grace. That doesn't give us a doesn't give us a, a, a license to sin. But those that with sin need more grace. They need more love. So that doesn't mean be cush, You know, uh, doesn't mean be uh, how we what we call love, which I tried to explain it to you there, uh, the, the first of this webinar. Love is not always just oh you poor thing or giving you know false compassion. Uh, or unsanctified mercy uh, to people. Love is still 
yes, caring for the person, but because they cha don't change doesn't mean you stop loving them. That doesn't mean you reject them. Now, if you've got an, if you've got a, a real relationship with this person and you're, you have been called in their life to help them and you've been helping them in this place of sin or in this place of a flaw in their life, then you, it gives you license. If you've got a real resume of trust there, it gives you license to say, hey, I don't think I'm going to be able to help you in these areas because you're not changing, but I will always be here uh, whenever you want to come back and really change. You're still loving them. But if you're loving someone and they're not changing, that person may not be changing. One reason is because God's trying to change you because you're, you're trying to love this person to get them changed. That's not, that's not what changes a person. That would disappoint a person because once they find out you love them to get them changed, they will just be disappointed in you and you'll be the false Jesus that they thought they believed. So we've got to love them, period. Loving them doesn't mean just being, you know, I call it stroking them and, and, and allowing things to go on. Loving them is still loving them with compassion, but still being able to speak the truth. I've got several, I've got a few of them out there right now. They've chosen not to uh, change. I still love them, but I have articulated to their face, hey, you're not changing, you're not walking in this thing. I'll still be here, but I've got to let you go for now until you really learn, until you really figure it out. But I will always love you. Now, did they, some of them get mad? Oh yeah, some of them got mad and went out and talked about me. There's one particular person that, just talks about me all the time, but that's, that's the way it works. When you, I'm real, they're talking and manifesting because I truly told them the truth and in love. And so if they're manifesting, that means that truth got in. So if they're manifesting all this stuff, it's because truth is in there causing it all to manifest and they'll manifest even worse until that truth gets them to full blown manifestation so that they can see, oh my gosh, it's been me all along. <laughs> when you tell the truth in love and they manifest on you and people just really sin against you, man, that means that, man, it really got in. Most of us say they rejected it. No, it really got in. They rejected you, but they, the, the truth really got in. Isn't that awesome? Uh, there's, <clears throat> here's one. My, my spouse will not give up pornography. How do you love in this area? Well, the first, with, without knowing what has happened with your spouse, I have to deal with the person that's asking me the question. Uh, how have you loved your spouse? That would be my question. Uh, are there histories that you've broken bridges in? Uh, are there things that you've withheld from your spouse? Uh, the love that you know you could have given him, not that the love that he needed or he was supposed to get, 
I'm talking about, is there a love in you that you know you never gave your spouse? Did you sin against yourself? In other words, did you sin against your own conscience in the area of loving your spouse? How are you loving him during this? You know, are you loving him unconditionally? Or are you loving him conditionally? Are, are you loving him in a way to where he sees that you want to help him and you get him professional help. If he doesn't want professional help or you're tired of dealing with it, then you need to pray and see what you need to do next. And that's what God's doing, what he wants you to do. That would be the first thing I would do. I'd start asking the Holy Spirit, is there something in me that I've withheld in my own life toward my husband? Because most people, most spouses that fall into uh, pornographic deal with a major spirit of self-rejection and they're trying to fill that gap self-rejection and shame about themselves first and nothing to do with pornography and and so the enemy will come in and hand them something in an area that they feel bad about themselves in and they'll try to replace it they'll try to replace that thing and they'll get them into a place of addiction Besides, this is a true demon that's probably tormenting your, your spouse. And most of the time, if we take it personally, uh, we as women think that we're not pretty enough, we're not you know, this and we're not that, and then it, that spirit of pornography starts working on you. Then it starts digging self-rejection, all the stuff that's wrong with you. And then you start trying all this behavioral change. And then your husband sees that you're trying to change through behavioral and that's not really real because you've taken the same bait as he did. And so I would start just allowing first, like I said to the person that has had the infirmity, ask God what he's saying during this point to you, not about your husband. Ask the Lord, what are you saying right now? I've got all this pornography stuff and I'm, I'm tired of my husband doing this. I'm tired of my husband doing that. And I'm sick of this, which I totally understand that. I have total compassion, but one point it's you that have to change then when you get healthy that's when you can actually make the right decisions of what to do and you will make the right decisions in a place of love and care i'm serious i've seen people split up in love and care i've seen the person that that didn't see that other person change after they've gone through their own deliverance and they've extended the love that, that, that was needed for that person, but that person has chosen to walk another path. They split up in a, in, a, in a literal attitude of care and love. See, there is a place, even the Lord had to, and I'm not going to get into divorce, but we've got to remember, even the Lord had to divorce Israel because it chose to go after other gods, even while he continued to extend his hand. They kept slapping his hand. And that's not like he got mad. He had to give them, Israel, a certificate of divorce. But then he comes back and marries them. Same thing with us. It's happened with us. The divorce is, is sin. We choose to divorce God through our sin. So God hands us what we've wanted. 
See, when a person sins against the, the, the other, they're basically saying, I want to divorce from my relationship. And when God did that, he's basically giving them the certificate of divorce because that's really what they wanted. The way that they were living was actually speaking to him. Man was speaking to him. I want a certificate of divorce from you. And so he gives us what we actually sowed. But he doesn't care. That rocks people. When, when you, and I'm not saying split up, I'm saying... But I want to give you, I'm, I'm trying to make a point. When you have to split up from someone in a place of care, they will know it's them that did it, not you. But you have to get right first. You have to have deliverance come to you first. It's a work of the Holy Ghost. I hope that helps. Um, grace to you, uh, grace to everyone. I think these were great questions. Uh, the last question is a long one, but I do want to uh, I, I do want to answer it because uh, we will get into it next week. Please remind me, guys. Write me and remind me because you know me. Sometimes I'll forget. Uh, this person, it's a wonderful friend of ours. Uh, she says, and don't forget this one. Will you talk about this verse? Uh, it honestly holds me back a lot in church and even in my everyday walk. Uh, even in my everyday work life often, should women not teach or be in authority? And if it, that is not the case, what was Paul talking about here? And talking about in 1 Timothy, second, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15. Uh, and then she says, if the curse was broken for Adam, why doesn't it, it uh, get broken for Eve too? Of course, this is the way women, are, we've taught it. And this is the scripture, and I'll quit here. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with uh, uh, propriety. Okay, I want you to remember that. Because there's a lot in that that we could talk about. I mean, it's totally opposite probably what we've been taught, okay? we got to remember Paul was talking to Timothy. This was a personal letter of Timothy actually trying to handle a problem in the, uh, in the church of Ephesus. So uh, we'll talk about that next week, okay? Remind me. All right, I love you guys. Uh, Lord bless you. Thank you for being on here a long time. You'll have to go probably back in the archives to watch this thing. I appreciate you guys uh, uh, supporting us, uh, can, continuing to support us. If you don't support us, support us, because uh, God's doing some major stuff for us and those people that are subscribing. I always give to people that are feeding me. I, I, I don't know about you, but I appreciate people that feed me. Don't you? So uh, I love you. We love you. Uh, God loves you evidently because, man, some of this stuff that he's speaking in this, that you can feel the love of God for people's personal problems. And man, I, I appreciate that not only for you, but I appreciate that coming from Jesus. It shows us how much he really truly loves us and wants to actually meet us where we are. And we've got to remember, the, the reason he's answered these questions is not just to answer the question. He's trying to woo you closer to him. All right, don't forget that. And please spread the news of God's stories. If you have to, Get on our website 
uh, and go to the uh, sub, go to the button subscribe. It'll pop up there. Click on that and 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 uh, copy it and then paste it in your Facebook and say, guys, you got to watch this stuff. It's it's changing lives. Do stuff like that for us because I'm gonna tell you what I'm the worst advertiser guy. You got to help me because I will not advertise. I'm, it's not that I think it's wrong or some of it is, but but it's not that I think it's wrong. I just I'm just not that way. I mean, my wife standing right here, and she's found checks in my uh, uh, what was it the, uh, in my coat pocket. A year later, she's found uh, checks in my um, uh, uh, what do you call the thing I wear? My backpack that's been in there a year of like three thousand dollars. You know, I just that stuff doesn't. It's not, and, and it should be. But it's not that important to me. And I get in this lockdown about just following the Lord. And I, and I, I need to be a little bit more faithful in really doing the other. But uh, please help us in that. All right. We love you. Grace, grace to you. And I, I just pray that this, the spirit of revelation that's on this, uh, this broadcast uh, will stay upon you. And you will fall more in love with the Lord than you ever have. All right. Grace to you guys. Bye-bye.